the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. politics, politics, history, history, and current events. Current events. now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports, part one. The Detroit Tigers defeated the Los Angeles Angels 5-4 this past Wednesday. Spencer Torkelson smashed a solo homer in the fourth inning. Eric Haas belted a solo four-bagger two innings later and Willie Castro singled to plate Kerry Carpenter in the seventh inning, but the Tigers trailed 4-3 in the ninth inning when Carpenter crushed a solo tater, and Ryan Kreidler blasted a solo moonshot to give Detroit a precarious one-run lead. Gregory Soto, who earned his 25th save of the 2022 season, started the bottom of the ninth inning by striking out Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, Then he allowed Taylor Ward and Luis Rengifo to reach first and second bases before Matt Duffy struck out to end the game. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And good afternoon. It is great to be back. So U of M is playing Hawaii today. Do you think Hawaii is going to lay one on to Michigan? Get the pun there, lay? Lay one on. <laughs> what, what, what do you think? <laughs> well, to paraphrase the great Al Borland, I don't think so, Pastor Rick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I was just thinking about it. I, I was reading a book today, and uh, I, I tend to read books that uh, – from authors I don't always agree with because that's the best way to learn from where where they're coming from. And uh, got me thinking, when I went to college and I had to do a thesis, I had to make the argument and then I had to be able to defend it. And if the readers could puncture holes within the argument, it was not well defended and you'd have to go back and start over. That is the idea of a thesis and having someone and defending it is to make sure it's not full of holes. And I'm reading this book by this um, gentleman who considers himself a philosopher of science. And he wrote a book called How to Talk to a Science Denier. And I need to translate some of his points as I give them to you because it's going to be very important. Uh, The guy who wrote the book, um, I almost don't like giving him credit but you need to know who to who to boo uh when you hear this the person who wrote this was lee mcintyre and uh he wrote a number of things on how to talk to somebody who doesn't agree with the science i'm doing the air quote and he says uh one of the things is that uh that science deniers cherry pick evidence they, they pick the evidence that would disagree with their point of view and because you do that and you challenge them on things that disagree with them, apparently you're a denier and you just don't accept their their truth at face value. In other words, you can have a thesis and not defend it is what he is saying is because 
if we, we are considered science deniers, uh, if we cherry pick, if we take evidence that is against what they believe in. For example, I'll give you an idea of that is uh, uh, in global warming. They will argue for man-made global warming and yet they cannot explain when nature has a single event that puts more carbon into the atmosphere than mankind has in his entire existence and the earth healed from it almost immediately. And this is from a single event over a short period. They can't explain why that, what man puts in the air isn't healed also. They will say that science deniers that, well, they deny the vaccine. Well, first of all, he's talking about the COVID vaccine and uh, let's face facts. Anyone who knows science will tell you that is not a vaccine. It is a medication, it is a drug, it, it messes with your DNA, it does a lot of different things, but it is not by definition a vaccine. But he would argue that to state that would be that you are a science denier. So the first thing is, as people who have evidence against what they believe in is a science denier. Well, some of the other arguments that he has is that uh, we engage in, quote, air quote, uh, conspiracy theories. And yet he doesn't and he does not give answer to the fact that everything that's come out on science and stuff. And if you come up with these counter points, uh, you have somehow fallen into a conspiracy theory. And that's why you believe the way you do. Instead of looking at the fact that you have found some evidence that may put holes into what they're calling science. Uh, anyone who does not agree with them are fake experts, according to him. And, uh, and science deniers are people that insist that science has to be perfect in order, order to be credible. I don't say we feel that it has to be perfect. I think it has to be credible. I think it has to be able to face the tough questions. And the reason I bring all this up is because recently the, the uh, web microscope went in the air and science themselves cannot agree with the findings that they are having through through the web telescope some are saying that it's showing to be a much older older universe than even modern day air quote scientists believe and some are saying no uh some are saying it disproves the big bang theory others are saying absolutely not and they cannot agree on the findings that they're getting back from from the the telescope i asked one s certain um astronomer uh, one question and i said if the universe is much older than they thought it does how do they explain entropy and he says what do you mean i says in this universe if we we're much older how do you explain entropy how are we still even in existence and he said i don't have a clue and this is one of the arguments they're having is the earth much older or younger they don't have a proof i say the bible has an answer I say the Bible says that the universe, if you want to use the term Big Bang, I'll let you use it for this one. God said, let there be, and there was. Boom. And um, so the reason for all this, and I believe this thoroughly, is uh, based on some points that uh, David Berlinski points out. Now, folks, if you don't know who David Berlinski is, he's one of theirs. He's an agnostic He's a scientist, he's a mathematician. He is uh, he is not a Christian. He is not a man of faith. 
Um, and yet he is upset with what's happening in science today. He sees that science is turning itself into its own little cult. And instead of looking for truth, they're trying to build up their own little religious cult. And he asks a number of questions in his book, uh, The Devil's Delusion. Uh, he asks a number of questions and he gives his answer. And here's some of his questions. Has anyone, and I'll give you his answers also. Has anyone provided proof of God's inexistence? Not even close. Has quantum cosmology explained the emergence of the universe or why it is here? Not even close. Have our sciences explained why our universe seems to be fine-tuned to allow for the existence of life? Not even close. Are physicists and biologists willing to believe in anything as long as it's not religious thought? Close enough. Has rationalism and moral thought provided us with an understanding of what is good, what is right, and what is moral? Not close enough. Has secularism been a force for good? Not even close to being close. Is there a narrow and oppressive orthodoxy in the sciences? Close enough. Does anything in the sciences uh, or their philosophies justify the claim that religious belief is irrational? Not even in the ballpark. Is scientific atheism a frivolous exercise in intellectual contempt? Dead on. Folks, that is from a, an agnostic who leans towards atheism, who is just saying science has done something that they shouldn't have done. They've gone in to try to make themselves the only religion. And instead of trying to find through the scientific process what is natural and what is not natural, and that's what science is, the study of the natural, um, they decided that they want to be God. And the book of Romans tells us this is exactly what man does. The man that used to run, the man that used to run NASA, Robert Jastrow, said this, at this moment, it seems as though science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of creation. For the scientist who has lived by his faith in the power of reason, the story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer the highest peak. As he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians who have been sitting there for centuries. By the way, Robert Jastrow, another atheist. And he is saying maybe, maybe, because they discovered in the 70s that the earth did have a very abrupt beginning or the universe had a very abrupt beginning, that maybe those of us who have faith might have reason to have that faith. And yet science wants to continually look for reasons to break that down. And if you read the first chapter of Romans, you'll understand why. They want to deny God. Because if you don't have to explain the existence of God, if God is not watching, well, then you don't have to answer to him. You know, I think, I think back to Berlinski. Um, here's what he has to say about scientists. Just who has imposed on the suffering? Uh, who just who has imposed on the suffering human race? Poison gas, barbed wire, high explosives, experiments in eugenics, 
the formula for Zyklon B, heavy artillery, pseudo-scientific justifications for mass murder, cluster bombs, attack submarines, napalm, intercontinental missiles, military uh, space platforms, and nuclear weapons. He then adds on, if my memory serves well, it was not the Vatican. <laughs> okay? It was the scientist. It wasn't people of faith that brought all this point of destruction. But that is the purpose behind science. And now we have the web telescope out of there and they're taking the findings and even the scientists are struggling with what they have found. And the question I have after looking at what science does and how they work, even in the soft scientists, sciences such as archeology, span people like Israel Finkelstein will find something that proves that somebody from the Bible existed such as Solomon and then say, well, that, that was uh, forged. That happened with a button. Uh, a pomegranate button during the time of Solomon. So that had to be forged. Come to find out, guess what? After he went around telling everyone that that artifact was forged, guess what? Finkelstein was wrong. It was not forged. It was real. And as we find in the sciences, as it goes on, science again, time and time and time again, supports the existence of God, the creator. Question is, is... I have seen people of faith change their faith based on what science, how they read their science for that day, uh, and uh, start giving up on their faith based on a finding before all the facts are out and before it's set. Um, so what does the web telescope tell you? Do you base your faith on the findings on one day and what one person, how he defines th those do you allow that to shake your faith or not? Go ahead, Ed. Well, that's a very good point. And I thought of this recently when I, I saw these articles about, well, basically there are a number of scientists complaining, similar to global warming, that if you try and publish anything that counters global warming, you won't get published, you'll lose your credentials. And these guys who are saying, eh, it doesn't look like a big bang anymore, it looks different. Uh, these guys are saying they can't get funding for their research because it goes against the narrative. When you talk about science deniers, I think that made Galileo when he uh, went for a heliocentric solar system, which means we revolve around the sun instead of the sun around us. He was a science denier, right? Because at the right. time, everybody thought the science was the opposite. But the whole, the whole train of thought I had when I first heard about this was, how many Christians rejoiced at the Big Bang saying that supported their genesis uh, uh, theology, and now, like you alluded to, are they going to let that, are they going to let the science distract them from, oh no, I guess it really wasn't a Big Bang, therefore Genesis is wrong. It's it's like, I'm reading what people say about the Webb telescope, and I, I don't understand the pictures, and any pictures you see are colorized in a sense. They're all, they're, they're all uh, um, decoded, so to speak so that they give a good visual impression of x-rays and different frequencies the human eye can't see. Then you have to have interpreters, radio interpreters, reading these and saying, just like a guy who looks at your x-rays, somebody who knows what the heck they're looking at to tell you what this means. And we've seen them get that wrong before too. You have cancer, oh no, no you didn't, sorry about that. So. Yeah, I think the, uh, and the idea that this disproves what they're finding now is they're still showing through these pictures from from the web telescope is that the universe did have an abrupt start 
That is what I'm reading. Now, those. this is with For, some of those that me. are going against. What's that? Well, I was wondering if I could explain some of what's going on here. They're finding out in the far distant reaches that we couldn't see before, they're finding unexpanded galaxies. This is the whole crux of it. If those galaxies are so far away from what we thought was the center of the universe and they are unexpanded, how did they get that far out without expanding like the rest of the universe? Which makes it sound like they were either there before the start of the universe, which is kind of interesting. That doesn't shake my faith. I got to tell you, I'm agnostic about, about science. I will not, you can tell me the sun rises in the east and I got to ask, well, what do you call the East? I'm not being stupid about it, but I just need to know what we're talking about before I agree with you. And and if somebody says something's different, I want to learn. I don't want to argue and say, ah, but, you know, no, no, I've always felt this. I think what they're going to find over the years, because, again, I have pointed out before science time and time and time again, um, ends up going back proving the existence of God. I myself don't believe in the Big Bang Theory the way the the uh, astronomers do. I believe in the Big Bang Theory this way. God said, let there be, and there was. Bang. There it was. <laughs> All right? Yeah, um, science follows that. Fine. Right. And, uh, and I believe that's exactly what it's going to follow because, well, first of all, you can't contradict that because if you take a look, he created man, right? He created man as an adult, as an adult finished product. Boom. He didn't start him out as, as an egg. Creatures were started out at the the chicken came first, not the egg, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, if you look at it that way, the universe is was completed as finished subject. Good proof of this, and a friend of ours by the name of John Tebai pointed this out to me, Pastor John Tebai, is they are looking at. Uh, they have what they call young stars and old stars. And as they look in this, what they're finding is that there are a mass of young stars mixed in with a mass of old stars. How on earth does that happen? You know, in the picture of it all. If you use their science to define what is a young star and an old star. So there's a lot of inconsistency in the sciences. Yeah, exactly. And and quite frankly, to say that God spoke the universe into existence doesn't mean he couldn't have exposed, uh, I'm sorry, um, created a stable universe. I mean, for years until uh, Bell Laboratories picked up all that background radiation that kind of said, hey, there's the universe expanding. We have the echoes of the Big Bang. And, and that's what kind of gave credence to it. That Actually, it's kind of funny. They were looking for a source of radio noise in their detection equipment and they couldn't get rid of it and couldn't get rid of it and they finally realized no they're listening to background radiation from the creation of the universe or so they thought and that's where the actual um credence was given to the big bang theory which had been proposed but what they call stable state universe people had ruled before then in other words universe always was always will be exactly the way it is well that doesn't mean that the universe always was it just means God may have flashed it into existence as a stable state. Except that it I'm, seems to be expanding. <laughs> I believe it is stable. And what we're seeing, what we're calling expanding, we don't exactly know what is orbiting, what what motions each one are taking. We don't have that over overview of it like God does. All mm -hmm. right. 
Um, this is something that, again, people like Berlinski, people like Jastrow, people like Einstein state that we'll never fully understand it. We can't fully understand it from the from the view of God, so to speak, on, on how it's working. We will never have that vantage point of view. However, I do believe that science Someday, and I'm I hope to. Someday I hope to. Yeah. Well, not in this, not in this on this side. On this side. Um the the bigger thing I think we need to look at is where are we putting our faith? You know, mm-hmm. people people want to put their faith in, in their ideologies. I'm I'm teaching this course now in um, Bible interpretation on how to read and interpret the Bible. And what I find, and I have some, I have some wonderful students, absolutely wonderful. I, I'm actually really excited about it. Uh, wonderful students, but I can give the same passage. Now, the the words are the same. The, that they're all reading, they're all reading the same words. They're all reading the same passage. They're all reading the same concept. And, when, and it was an exercise to show that if they do not delve deeply, they're they're going to come up with different answers, right? <laughs> And that's exactly what happened, which is going to be part of the next class is, okay, now if you delve in, here's some of the points that you didn't find. Now, when you apply these points, does it answer the question? The words are the words are all there. The words are all the same. But we spend a lot of time trying to build God in our image that we forget that God made us in his image and that we need to stop trying to build him in a sinful man's image so to speak, and um, have God love who we love, hate who we hate. You know, when we when He loves who we love and hates who we who we hate, uh, we've done well in creating God in our image. And we have His Scripture, and we have to read it, and we have to take it very seriously. And the reason we have so many different views out there is people are reading the same words, not different words, not a different Bible, the same words. And they're trying to fit it into how they want God to react. And as long as we're doing that, we will have 3,000 different <laughs> uh, Christian sects in the country, as we do over 3,000 now. So we got Tim on the phone. Um, hey, Tim. How you doing? Hey. hey, how's it going? Thanks for taking my call. I missed the beginning, so I just caught the last few minutes of you talking about the universe. And there is a there is a podcast. Catch it later. Gotcha. Interesting thing. I've been debating with people about climate change online, and one article that I read talked about all the cosmic radiation, our fluctuating magnetic field, or several magnetic fields, and what the sun puts out actually. We get more cosmic radiation from outside of our solar system than we do from the sun, and we're passing through quite a bit of uh, cosmic radiation right now, like some kind of cloud, galactically, like it's light years long, and the uh, all this radiation and stuff is what's increasing the cyclones and hurricanes, which are climate change alarmists are all telling us it's man-made issues. It's the CO2 causing all this, when actually it's universal cosmic forces that are doing it. Yeah, we, we know that the that our, our galaxy has its own cycles that it goes through, in which it, as it goes through, the galaxy goes through its cycles, it does affect us in our position 
uh, within that galaxy. Uh, we every, will start every, having warmer every, periods, ice ages, things like that. That's very uh, secular over Every time. planet, yeah, yeah. Every planet in our solar that, system oh, is sorry, heating Jim. right now. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, Ed. If you want to see a visual of cosmic radiation, watch the aurora borealis. That's cause. That's a. That's actually cosmic radiation interacting with uh, the atmosphere and uh, lighting it up. Absolutely, we're getting hit all the time. <laughs> hey, folks! When we come back, we're going to be talking about Proposition Three and how our first conversation has to do with that. Be back after these messages. Pastor Richard Dietering on Wham. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. Major League Baseball will be implementing five new rule changes for the 2023 season. The first involves pitchers who have to throw a pitch within 15 seconds when the bases are empty and 20 seconds when there is at least one runner on base to help shorten the average time to complete a game. Next, each of the bases, with the exception of home plate, are increasing from 225 square inches to 324 square inches to encourage more stolen base attempts. Finally, two infielders have to be positioned on each side of second base, and they must have their feet stationed within the infield which will increase the batting average of balls that are hit within the field of play. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. That's right, that's right, I'm sad and blue, because I can do the boogaloo. I'm lost, I'm lost, can't do my thing, and that's why I sing. Gimme, gimme, ding, ding. Thank you, Ed, for giving me that ding. Yeah, go ahead. I need to ask Derek a question. One, do they have breakaway bases? Do they have breakaway bases in, in Major League Baseball? No. Like Dr. Janda espouses. No, they are not breakaway that I am aware of. Okay. And two, exactly what are the ramifications of this? these, wow, 15 and 20 second rules? I'm not quite sure. I Can we take a moment to talk about that, Rick? Sure, why not? I just want to kill, talk about killing babies and why it's wrong. But if you want to talk about why it's bad to steal <laughs> kill, a base, let's do time. that. No, this is not. This is killing time. <laughs> okay, we can move on if Derek doesn't want to answer. Oh well, well, yeah. It's it it. So the the pitch clock is what it's called. It is basically to help speed up the the game because a lot of major league baseball games are averaging just over three hours in length. And they want to try to maybe get them down to about two and a half hours because because fans have become kind of disgruntled with the with the amount of downtime during a game. I did not. I it never occurred to me the pitcher kind of staring at the catcher and the batter and kind of taking his time was. I always thought that was part of the drama of the game. I mean, it sounds like you're going to be up against a pitching machine now. You know, whoop 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 whoop. 
So let me say this uh, on this, <laughs> is on uh, your American heritage coming up after this, the main topic is going to be Proposition 3. So what Ed is attempting to do here <laughs> is to fill true. the conversation <laughs> about baseball bases and stealing bases and pitcher time clock so we don't cover all his material because he's only got an hour's worth of material. And if we cover it now, he's going to spend a half hour twiddling his thumbs. How close oh. am I, Ed? <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're watching well, the documentary. You take a time to think. See, folks, proof and pudding. <laughs> so, give me that ding. <laughs> you know, it, over over the um, recent centuries, we have seen science trying to control the thought process outside of science of mankind. Good example of that is. Uh, uh, Hitler's Germany, his scientists uh, tried to make cases for things like eugenics and uh, and killing people that just didn't deserve to live because scientifically they just were not good enough, right? Uh, we see science constantly being used to do one thing, and that is to change the narrative of what God wants for from us. God calls us his children. He says we are human from the time we are conceived. We are um, even, by the way, even the science books, the ones that just are laying down the, the facts say that the embryo is a human in the earliest form of development, still a human, but we're in a constant state of development. But you see, science has got to change the narrative and in Proposal 3, they're saying that a woman can have an abortion up until viability of the baby. Uh, my question is, and I've had, talked about it on this show a number of times, define viability. You can't do it without being arbitrary. And this is going to cause further and further things. Now, I'm going to tell you now, if you are hearing this broadcast, in November, you are going to go and vote, and you're going to vote against Prop, uh, Proposal 3 unless you are for the murder of children. Abortion is murder of children. Get it right. Get it in your head. You are not trying to put your religious beliefs on someone else. If you think committing murder is wrong, then abortion is wrong. It is morally wrong. If you think murder is morally wrong, then abortion is, by definition, murder and is morally wrong. Get it straight. And get out and vote, because right now we have a world that wants to deny the existence of God, even though they know in their they know in their heart that He exists. They want to deny that existence so they can continue killing babies for their own version of of birth control. And I find this ridiculous. And we have a, a very liberal Supreme Court in the state right now. And hey, when it comes time to vote for Supreme Court justice, make sure you're voting for a conservative one, one that is going to defend life of the human being. That's what I wanted to say about that, is that we are abusing God's word. So what do you got on this topic, Ed? I know you got quite a bit. You got a whole hour on it. I can't hear you, Ed. Your microphone's not working, Ed. So... You know, that's so that you, that was my cough suppression. Sorry. What I was going to say was, uh, oh no, I forgot what I was saying. No, I didn't. I've only got a half an hour show today on that. I got another half an hour with another topic. So you have maligned me wrongly, sir. However, I did. So you have nothing to talk about for the first half hour. 
There's a conversation I've been getting in with a number of people on Facebook and on blogs. And um, actually, it, some listeners of my show uh, emailing me because they found my email address on the WAM page bio. And so what happened is that one guy says, oh, you know, the, the Jews actually believe that life doesn't start until the first breath is drawn. So that basically... If you look at the Old Testament through Jewish eyes, there's nothing wrong with abortion. And I just, you couldn't be further from the truth on that. And besides which, these are the people who totally miss the Messiah. So there is that, you know, that doesn't make them. Uh, exactly not only right that, the it's, it's even in the Jewish faith. Um, after the first 40 days, they are very protective of that child in the womb. Um, oh, yeah, there's, 40, there's 40 days for life comes from. Um, yeah, and you kill a Jewish. guy, you kill a woman, kill a guy. Well, he may be identifying, whatever. Right. But you kill a, a, a child bearer. You kill a child bearer who's bearing child. And uh, the the uh, punishment was also, like we do today, uh, for murdering or manslaughtering the, the baby in the womb. So yeah. I, I don't know and where ba you get basically that. Basically, that passage, what it says, if two men are fighting and they accidentally, mm -hmm. two men are fighting and they accidentally hit a woman who is with child, and the child comes forth, but nothing else is done. In other words, the word in the Jewish language is, if the child comes forth, if the child is born, but nothing is wrong, then they can settle out, out of court. But if that child is, is dead, when it comes out because of this fight, then it's lex talionis, eye for an eye, life for a life. So that that baby was considered very much alive, very much protected, and um, and and that was reading that passage in the Hebrew. The reason I point that out is some Christians try to translate that, and some passages translate that in an off-colored way, where it says if the child is miscarried, um, and, and nothing worse happens, and that is not how that translates in the Hebrew. It, it says, and if the child comes forth, and nothing. No other damage is done. In other words, if a child is born and everything's okay, but if that child dies, it's eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for a life. Boom. There are also there are also people who think that because of Michigan's, if you want to call it harsh law, okay, which I don't believe it's harsh at all, that if if we had more of a row sympathetic law that allowed some abortion then they wouldn't be able to come up with a prop three because you know that's there'd already be room for wiggle room but prop three just is flat out murder you know uh, up to you know childbirth yeah and uh and they say viability and that's the key word that they're pushing to get this passed is through the viability of the child what exactly do they mean by that and it's arbitrary and they know it's arbitrary and you're right that means they can take it right up to the birth and say, hey, before that, it's not the child's not viable. I say a thirty-year-old uh, millennial living in mom's basement still not viable underneath those standards. Yeah. So yeah, what's well, like the health of the mother thing? You know, somebody brought that up to me yesterday. Well, but uh, what about the health of the mother? I said, what? That she might have a headache? That she might be stressed or depressed? What do you mean by health of the mother? I there is in in the current law that if the mother's life life right. is threatened, that's in there. But that's not what they say. You get what I'm no. saying? It's health of the mother is the get out no. of jail. What free I'm saying in the current thing. law. Yes, I know. Yep. Yep. But all all of those uh, scenarios that you present 
uh, what about the health of the mother? They don't take into consideration about the life of the unborn child. He's still a live being. They want to tell you that he's not a live being because he isn't viable. He can't exist on that without the help of a mother. Uh, that's, I mean, that like you said, the the guy, the guy laying in the in the, in his mother's basement at eighteen is not viable. He's not taking care of himself. He's not living on his own. I said so, thirty, and I think I'm more <laughs> accurate. Yeah, but but they're talking now. They're talking about a kid's. 18 months old, taking their life. So they're not looking at what the. Just lost your mic there. So uh, somehow you got muted there, Phil, and only you can take it off. Oops. But, yeah, so, so go ahead. You know, what? one of the, oh, we've seen the Tudor Dixon ads that have been regurgitated ad nauseum where the, the abortion people are saying, you elect her. You know, she said in her own words that, you know, she doesn't want uh, abortion in the case of, I gather, incense, incest or um, something else. I forget, no. a rape and incest, you know, as if those babies are are negligible because, you know, they're the product of rape or incest. But the fact of the matter is, is that there are people who are concerned about her electability because this is being used as a wedge issue, and it's also allowing uh, this uh, Prop 3 to get uh, atmosphere because, you know, we're being so stringent. And my question is, what percentage of unborn children are you willing to sacrifice so that the other percentage might be protected for political purposes? Right. But, but uh, no exception is... There, there are all kind of exceptions for the mother. It is the obligation of the government to protect those who can't protect themselves. So what, what I, the question I would ask is, when does the government assume some kind of role to protect that innocent child? Go ahead, Ed. You're going to have a stroke if you don't answer. <laughs> Phil said something that I just had uh, uh, what do you call it? We had an insight all of a sudden, you know, a stroke of, wow. You said it's the job of the government, and I've said that too. It is not the job of the government to protect the innocent. It is not. Because when you do that, you start letting their their uh, foot in the door. The Supreme Court has already ruled that a cop can be standing right next to you and watch you get uh, 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 beat up by Antifa, and he doesn't have to respond. So it seems like, no, the government doesn't have to protect the innocent. We no, should what, make a stand for the innocent. And yep. as as the uh, people of the United States who are supposed to be the rulers and we're supposed to have legislatures who represent our will, it's up to the people to stand up for the innocent and have laws unlike this travesty that are passed. That's why we have to oppose it. I, 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 let, me, let me just add on that because I said this as soon as the Supreme Court hearing overturned and turned it over to the state's rights. My, my wish was this, is that the Supreme Court would not have done that. My, my wish was that the Supreme Court would have decided that every human in the United States is covered with certain basic rights equally under the law. And that includes the child in the womb. And therefore, recognize the humanity 
of that child and therefore protect it to its to its rights to its the the rights that the constitution is protecting needs to protect them also I, stop, that if, is what if, i want to see happen. and if you don't protect those rights stop saying that it's a constitutional right of the mother to to uh to, to have it is not it's it's definitely not as I said, it is the, uh, the responsibility of the government to protect those who can't protect themselves. So my and, fight is, and I'm going to turn it over to Ed here, my fight is this, is that we get a government that recognizes the humanity of those children and say that um, their rights need to be protected also. No, that is my nice. goal. They're, they're the ones that, that need protection. The, the people that are supposed to be out here and walking around, they should be able to protect themselves under yeah. All right. Uh, Ed, you had a comment. Well, it was that the, the uh, state uh, board of canvassers had already rejected this proposal for a few reasons, and one of them, I believe, one of them was grammatical. And so here we're going to have this travesty enshrined as a part of our constitution. Uh, I was reading a version of it, and I don't know if I read a cleaned-up version of it or not, which were the grammatical errors that they found were taking out spacing errors. But this proposition has to be put into the Constitution exactly as it's on the ballot with no grammar Nazis getting involved. And it's it's far too open. It's not clear legally what it is. And frankly, this is another example of <clears throat> democracy in action because this is this is the mob voting on something they don't understand without deliberation in the state legislature. And that's how we got the pot law. That's how we got uh, some of the uh, uh, auto insurance stuff. It just becomes this buzzword and, oh, well, you're for pot, right? Or you're for a, a, a woman's right to reproductive rights, you know? So vote for this because this is reproductive rights without realizing the big picture and everything that's you know involved behind it. Yeah, I actually followed that. I'm probably one of the few oh. people that could have, but I followed it. But it's <laughs> wow, not thank productive. You. It's, it's uh, uh, death. It's, it's the right to kill. And and that, and that that's the whole thing. They've been protecting that part of it. The, it talk about a woman's right. What about the child? Nobody is talking about that child on the, on the left. I know, I know somebody who wants to talk about that child. His name is Gary, and he's on the phone right now. Yeah. How's it going, Gary? Hey, Brother Rick. I'm going fine. You know, these children that we're talking about, once you throw up the uh, specter of rape, incest, and, you know, um, stuff that you would normally think would be okay to just chuck the child, that sets into a process where you have to now prove you were raped prove it was incest because you're going to get um, side uh, scams where doctors will write it away that say the health of the woman is in jeopardy because she wants a, an abortion. So like the um, civil rights laws, Phil, that just caused a bunch of problems when they didn't need to, we could have just left those out of the Constitution completely and just everybody carry on. In this case, we should just leave all um, excuses to kill the baby off the table and everybody just carry on. Every baby has the right 
to life, period. Right. It doesn't matter how it was conceived, for what reason, and even, even incest. That's consensual sometimes. Um, a woman can tell you, you you raped her the night before when there was no raping going on at all, but the courts will believe her. So the whole thing gets confusing and confuddled by even nope. putting them in there. So no let me, exceptions. Uh, let me add this. On the case of rape and incest, they are they are in the event that they happen, they are horrible, terrible crimes. I will not deny that. However, if you if you truly believe that that, that abortion is wrong, you cannot sit there and say abortion is right except for in the case of rape and incest. And here's why. If it is wrong, it's because you see it as murder. And there's no reason out of to take one victim in a horrific crime and make two. And by killing that child, you have now made two victims in it. And um, it doesn't change the fact that that woman was involved with a very heinous crime. But we can't turn that into a two-victim crime. Go ahead, Ed. I've heard the, I've heard the testimony of a number of women uh, focused on the family stuff, like a family talk, who have come forward and they were the uh, result of rape. And uh, they're happy to be alive. They're glad yeah. their mom didn't abort them. Their mother is glad she didn't abort them. But this, the whole the whole thing going seminary. forward, I like that. I went to seminary with a woman that was born out of out of rape. Phil and I heard her speak at, uh, at an event at Family Life Services. I, I don't know if you were there or not, Ed, but I know Phil was. All right. Uh, yeah, when uh, Monica Miller has her... Uh, services for the unborn she usually has a lady up there talking about surviving abortion and it's very compelling and very moving that she's happy to be alive yeah i just wanted to say that when it comes to the constitution this is why i say that they should take that off of there when they talk about uh, uh, constitutional rights because where it says equal protection yeah, this is where I say that the, it's the government's job to protect the person in that that can't protect themselves. That's equal protection. And that's the, one of the, the, the first things in the Constitution because there are so many other related places. It's, it's the job, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna just add words to that. It's the government's job to make sure that they protect the rights of humanity. The the rights. Yeah. Ed. Speaking of rights, this is what it says: Every individual has a fundamental right to reproductive freedom, which entails the right to make and effectuate decisions about all matters relating to pregnancy, including but not limited to. And I'll stop reading right there to say. So where does the father's rights to reproductive freedom oh. come in here? It <laughs> don't have any. Nobody's well, it. but that law says he has it. He could put a stop to it. That's exactly what that law says. Well, it's part of his reproductive freedom. Yeah, but what I, what I'm talking about is, or he could make her have one. Yeah, the yeah, uh, that's the other thing too. If he wants it, the baby aborted, does she have to actually do that? Oh, the other, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Flip side. Hey, we got a caller on the line. Gary, thank you so much for calling in. We have just a few minutes yet. And put on your seatbelts, folks. It is Walter. He wants to talk, make a comment about the November election. Comment away, Walter. 
Yeah, you know, guys, have you guys been hearing that the Democrats, uh, I've predict, been predicting this and seeing this pattern for years. Well, anyway, the Democrats are trying to troll Republicans. In other words, they're trying to sound conservative on certain issues like um, abortion. They're not so radical. And the radical people are the, are the Republicans trying to tell women what to do with their own body, especially Republican men. Shut up, Republican men. You can't tell a woman what to do about her own body. So I heard that, but I also heard on one of the other shows that, and I, and I think it's just to discourage people to keep them to keep them at home, the Republicans, and so the Democrats will uh, start doing those tactics toward closer to elections. It's, and they're saying that Republican women are just as angry as the Democrats about the Supreme Court's ruling about their bodies. I'm not buying that one. That's got to be if they are. That has got to be the most insane thing I've ever heard. And. Um, but anyway, why did it take? I mean, my question is, if the Supreme Court, once it was turned over, we tipped the balance of the Supreme Court conservative, why did hey, it take I, them so long to rule on abortion? They should have been, Walter, it took Walter, their sweet time. Walter. Okay. Hey, I got, I'm calling again next week. We have the music on. We'll see you all next week on A Moment of Clarity. God love you all. Vote in November. You've been listening to A Moment of Clarity on Wham Talk 1600 with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Be sure to tune in again next week right here on Wham Radio.